Welcome to today's discussion, Zero Trust, Securing the New Perimeter, sponsored by Akamai. Now here's your host, John Gilroy. Welcome and thanks for joining us from the Akamai Government Forum in Washington, D.C. My first guest is Patrick Sullivan, Global Director of Security Strategy, Akamai Technologies. How are you, Patrick? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, this term Zero Trust pops up all the time. In fact, this conference is themed Zero Trust. It's a major theme in many security conferences like RSA. Why do you think there's so much focus on this trend? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think zero trust, uh, the momentum there is really uh, a result of sort of the failures of the security architecture that we've been living with for the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, and really, I think, you know, some decisions were made early on that we would determine uh, security based on somebody's topology uh, in the network. So if you're in the, the HQ building, you're trusted. Uh, if you're out on the public internet, you're untrusted. And really, attackers have done a great job of abusing that trust uh, that's been granted on the uh, on the network. So the typical attacks you see uh, in almost every breach report will be initial uh, in, in, uh, vulnerability detected in an end user or an insert, uh, a server somewhere. And then that attacker will exploit the easy lateral movement across that trusted network to find uh, richer targets, uh, more valuable information, and dwell on that uh, network uh, typically for around six months. Uh, and Zero Trust really removes those assumptions. It, it removes uh, any level of trust at the network layer. So all users are, are treated the same regardless of where they are. In a corporate office, at a Starbucks, makes no difference. Um, and we think that that uh, really limits the ability of an attacker to move laterally uh, as we see them do so frequently. I think the concept was first uh, introduced by Forrester, where the Forrester article talked about zero. So it's not a brand name. It's not a. It's like cloud computing. It's a generic term, then, isn't it? It is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Forrester coined that phrase, and it's I think a very catchy phrase. Uh, and I think you know they coined that phrase six or seven years ago. Uh, and I think there has been very very slow adoption on that until probably around 12 months ago, and then sort of all of a sudden everybody's really looking at this, uh, and it's it's really picking up. Uh, I think everybody's kind of coming to the same conclusion that if you kind of continue to do what we've always done as an industry, you'll get uh, the same results you've always uh, sort of achieved. And, and if you look at some of the data breach reports, those results are uh, often somewhat depressing. I have a longer perspective than you on this whole history of technology. <laughs> what I've seen is failure, 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 and then finally at the end they do the right thing. <laughs> it seems like you get frustrated with everything else. Well, it's got to be zero trust. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think you know the realization there is just buying one more box or uh, applying some machine learning somewhere. It's not going to make a material difference. You need an architectural change, and that's really sort of how we think about zero trust. Uh, a traditional perimeter security would be much like the Middle Ages, right? There's a wall and a moat, <laughs> and uh, that's not very new. So um, uh, what other drivers besides getting away from this traditional perimeter are there? Yeah, I think that's the perfect analogy, right? If, if you look at sort of that network perimeter model, it was inspired by uh, a castle and moat. Right? And work great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think, if it, you know, that assumption there is that your end users are inside of that castle, your compute's inside that castle, let's build a wall around it, keep the bad guys out, uh, sounded good. So, so not only has that failed from the security perspective because of that lateral movement, but also just from the basic IT perspective, all the assumptions that went into that castle and moat uh, no longer are valid. In many cases, the users have left that, that corporate office, they're remote, they're out with their customers, uh, they're collaborating, maybe they're third parties. Uh, in the government case, maybe they're contractors. Uh, the compute resource uh, is less frequently deployed in, within those four walls as well. It's infrastructure as a service, maybe it's SaaS. Uh, so really, that, I think that's another impetus for change here, is not just the security failings of the network perimeter model, 
but just the, the migration of apps and users outside of the four walls of, of the corporate office. And you get users that do the things, and I raised three kids, so I know this phrase, unintended consequences. <laughs> they can right. receive an email, and unbeknownst to them, they could do something that makes them look like a malicious actor. That's exactly right. So, so you know, in some small percentage of cases, you'll have an internal employee or a contractor uh, who is on your network, uh, and they're uh, out uh, deliberately to, to harm the organization. But far more frequently is the case that, that you highlight. They fall victim to phishing or you know, malware, some other type of, of an attack that, that leads uh, to somebody exploiting their machine, and then in turn exploiting the trust that's been given uh, at the network layer to move on to a more valuable target, uh, take your time, dwell on that network, and then slowly exfiltrate data. As organizations look at technology refresh cycles, sometimes in terms of years, what should they keep in mind about considering making decisions that would support zero trust architectures? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that the key thing with zero trust is this is uh, an architectural change. So you're not going to change this overnight. It's not, you know, buy one more box or push in, uh, you know, a client down to your uh, endpoints and, and have a sea change there. You know, this is something that's going to change over time. So I think some of the things you'd want to keep in mind there, you know, any new applications that, that you're going to publish, any SaaS services, IAS services, uh, publish those maybe in a zero trust model uh, to begin with. If you're looking at remote access, maybe uh, consider alternatives to VPN because a VPN is nothing more than extending that network layer access beyond the four walls of the castle and moat, building a tunnel there uh, that can also be exploited. Uh, so I think those are, are all important considerations. Now, when we talk about zero trust, for decades, people trusted VPNs. That was a security tunnel. When it came out in the late 90s, that was impregnable. That was the answer for everything, and now it's vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. It's the exact same assumption, right? It's, it's the assumption that you can place trust in the network and that if I uh, you know, extend network-level trust to somebody who's outside of my uh, physical office via VPN, uh, that, that they can then be trusted at the network layer. So it's the same problem, and really it's the same solution. It's, it's more efficient to give sort of zero trust access on an app-by-app -app basis to, uh, to end users where you have a strong understanding of their identity. You're able to, uh, to develop uh, some level of trust in the device uh, itself, so you know what that device is. Uh, and then furthermore, uh, VPNs are, are pretty poor in terms of performance. They're routing traffic, in many cases, back to a corporate office for a VPN concentrator. Uh, they could be moving in the opposite direction from the compute resource if that's uh, an infrastructure as a service or SaaS. Uh, so the, the cloud-based zero-trust architectures also bring with them uh, end-user performance benefits. So this isn't a lift and shift. This is more of a gradual transition to zero-trust architecture. It really is. Yeah, it's something you'll be doing over quarters, maybe over years. Uh, but the, the good news is it's very easy to start uh, on an app-by-app -app or a user-by-user -user basis um, to move forward. Great. We're going to pause here for a short break. I'd like to thank my guest, Patrick Sullivan, Global Director of Security Strategy, Akamai Technologies. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy, on the discussion, Zero Trust, Securing the New Perimeter, sponsored by Akamai Technologies on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Government is facing more cyber attacks than ever before. The traditional perimeter no longer exists. There is no inside or outside when it comes to detecting, defending, and deterring attacks. With every agency at risk, IT departments should be doubling down with a zero-trust approach to security. Akamai is a leader in mitigating malware, bot, and DDoS attacks and is trusted by all branches of the military and 14 cabinet-level agencies. To mitigate your next attack, visit akamai.com slash zero-trust, AK 
K-A-M-A-I.com slash Zero Trust. Welcome back to the discussion Zero Trust, Securing the New Perimeter, sponsored by Akamai Technologies on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. My next guest is Rob San Martin, Sales Director, Akamai Technologies. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy, from the Akamai Government Forum in Washington, D.C. Rob, how are you today? I'm well, John. Thanks for having me. Well, I think most people know that Akamai can help get uh, your networks fast all throughout the world, but, but really fast is fine. What is the differentiator for Akamai when it comes to cybersecurity? So on the cybersecurity front, the way Akamai approaches the marketplace with the distribution of our infrastructure worldwide, our customers receive the benefit of being able to take advantage of instances from cyber attacks and recognition that we're seeing around the world that likely has not come to their doorstep yet. So there's that advantage there that albeit burglaries are happening all over the world, we're going to be able to prevent it typically in country, not when it actually comes to your doorstep, which is a key differentiator for the product set. We're not defending an attack once it's hit your infrastructure, we're defending it out on our infrastructure at the perimeter so that it doesn't actually come inside and infiltrate your infrastructure. And this is uh, not just one or two attacks a day, this is thousands and thousands of attacks, isn't it? It is. You know, most recently the one that made the paper is there was a 1.3 terabit per second attack, which is uh, two and a half X of anything I think the industry had seen before. The interesting point in that is we almost always see attacks build kind of like a wave or a hurricane, right? You see it build and you see kind of the direction it's going and where it's going. This one occurred in less than an hour and there was no warning that it hit its peak uh, resources and attack level. So that was uh, significant. Well, the old uh, concept of a zero-day attack is right out the window That's here. right. That's right. <laughs> That's old school. <laughs> yeah, someone always gets that zero day. Someone's always unfortunate. I was up for the keynote with Tom Lighton upstairs. And uh, he, had a, he had a great slide. I'm going to read the slide to you. I okay. want you to react to the slide, you know. Identity will make or break trust in a digital ecosystem. Yes. Identity is everything today. It is everything. And that's the whole zero trust identity uh, paradigm that's going on that, you know, they say the perimeter is changing, but the perimeter almost doesn't exist anymore because of all the different pieces of resources that people use. But from the identity standpoint, again, following on the first question, our ability for the amount of traffic and people that we see, we're able to identify the validity of the reputation of the user. So we're constantly grading the reputation of the user as what type of activity you're doing, is it things you should or should not be doing, and you get scored on a scale of one to 10, and then clients have the opportunity to deter or not deter based on that score, and those scores change over time, right? You might not be a bad student all the time, you might get better in another year, and so your reputation can get better. When you couple that with bot mitigation, there's good bots and there are bad bots. And then within that framework, are you a human or are you a bot? Uh, because a lot of them look the same. So it's that differentiation when you start to put all those pieces together, what we've seen around the world, the reputation that you have, are you human or are you a machine, we start to have a more effective ability to determine what is the reputation of the person that you are allowing to get access to your uh, your products. 
let's go back to World War II. <laughs> when they broke the Enigma machine, the Enigma machine, you have to go through 159 million different ciphers in order to break it. And they couldn't do that within 24 hours. They had to come up with something, the Turing machine, to do it with. But now, 159 million, that's chump change. That's nothing anymore, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the machine speed, machine learning is, you know, the frontier that's uh, coming into vogue right now that the government's working on adopting because that's not their traditional motion. But that is what's occurring because the instances are occurring so fast that by, you find, by the time you find it, you look at it, and you deter it, they've already morphed and they've come up again because they've figured out you're onto them. And they're back at it again, and you, know, you go. So the machine is really important. That's a great analogy. In uh, my world of software development, they talk about agile software development. They want to be fast, flexible, innovative. Well, that's your world, isn't it? I yes. Mean, what Akamai allows you to be is it allows you to be fast. And you can't wait for a zero-day attack. Maybe the next 10 seconds. So fast, flexible, innovative. It is. And we're seeing scope and scale come into the equation pretty often. What's important? Because everybody gets attacked, and they get attacked all the time. But what are the ones that I need to be paying attention to? Because I can't deter all of them. It's great that you warned me on the 45,000 things that happened this month. But what are the 15 things that I actually have to take care of? And again, from our presence around the world, we believe we have a unique ability there that we can help bring what things are important you need to take care of. I was speaking with Tom Ruff a few weeks ago, and we talked about, uh, he, he mentioned SQL injection. I said, oh, that's like in a history book. He said, oh, no, that's today as well. It and is. So th the old threats are still there as well as the new threats. <clears throat> they are. They're not, the, they're smarter in that the, the low and slow SQL injections are the ones that are, are awful. And those are, you know, like what you hear when, uh, when Target had an issue. That was a low and slow SQL injection where they're grabbing information and they keep doing it at a slow, steady pace until they start to get discovered. Then they put their foot on the gas, they take everything they can, and then they move on and do something else. Those are the hardest ones out there. So uh, when I think of... Uh older attacks, I think of SQL injections and denial of service attacks. Today, there are denial of service attacks that are much more vicious and, and more aggressive than ever even conceived of in the past, aren't they? Agreed. Yes, they really are. And the ability for people to create a denial of service attack is no more than a couple clicks on the web away. And then just your, their ability to recruit unknowing participants that can participate in that denial of service attack as their machines get infiltrated, it's a problem. We have several, it's the time of season that just passed. We, we deal with lots of situations where counties are calling us because they're under a denial of service attack. And we find out that often lots of them are kids in the classroom with their phones that don't want to take the tests. <laughs> Isn't that something? It's, it's, it's very interesting. Very interesting. From an architectural perspective, it's very difficult to defend against a denial of service attack if you're relying on on-premises equipment, aren't you? It is. It is. It's very difficult because that gateway coming into that equipment, it's going to get clogged up. Millions and millions of times before you even know what happened. Correct. Great. We're going to pause here for a short break. I'd like to thank my guest, Rob San Martin, Sales Director, Akamai Technologies. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy, on the discussion, Zero Trust, Securing the New Perimeter. Sponsored by Akamai Technologies on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com.
Government is facing more cyber attacks than ever before. The traditional perimeter no longer exists. There is no inside or outside when it comes to detecting, defending, and deterring attacks. With every agency at risk, IT departments should be doubling down with a zero-trust approach to security. Akamai is a leader in mitigating malware, bot, and DDoS attacks and is trusted by all branches of the military and 14 cabinet-level agencies. To mitigate your next attack, visit akamai.com slash zero trust, AKAMAI.com slash zero trust. Welcome and thanks for joining us from the Akamai Government Forum in Washington, D.C. My guest is David Yoon, Senior Director, Public Sector at Akamai Technologies. David, how are you? Good. Well, thank you for having me. Well, we've been talking about the edge and technologies and, and cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. I'm going to toss out a number to you and you're just going to roll with it, okay? Okay, great. Gartner recently reported that by 2020, there'll be 21 billion IoT devices all over the world. <laughs> Does that make, that make you go crazy or what? I mean, how do you control all these? Yeah, that is certainly a, a big number and certainly that uh, many, a few years ago that we did not see coming, but now it's here. Um, so the proliferation of the IoT devices really has impacted the new technologies that's coming out in fundamentally in two different ways, I believe. Uh, first, the any new technologies that's being introduced has to have scale. Uh, that is fundamental to everything that we do. And second, the any new techniques or implications or are implied that uh, they have to have be governed by um, coordinated policies so that everything works in uh, holistically together. So uh, what we see on the scale side is the proliferation of all these devices are making um, the security posture rather challenging to scale all your systems and how to do that in a coherent manner. And that is a huge factor in everything and anything that any of our customers do and what we try to help our customers with. And second, um, the techniques that's being deployed has to be coordinated in such a way that there has to be a governance of policies, which sometimes is the biggest challenge in trying to implement the latest and greatest technologies and make it so that it, it is coherent across all of their uh, security systems and implemented in such a way that gets the most uh, benefit to whichever agency that's trying to implement it. If you uh, walk up to a 25-year-old mm -hmm. and talk about these new IoT devices, mm -hmm. they think new technology, new opportunities. Now, from a cybersecurity perspective, new technology, new risks. Absolutely. It's a, it's a, a huge source of vulnerability. Um, and you really, and to be more specific, you really have to look at it in two different ways. One is, if I'm a, a government agency, you have to expose certain systems because you need to reach out to the citizens, consumers, the troops, your partners, industry, uh, contractors, and so forth. So you got to expose that system. That means you are exposing your systems to IoT devices that you do not have any control over. So how do you defend in that situation? And second, clearly on your internal network, there are lots of IoT devices coming online which you should have some control over and you should be able to manage them appropriately. And that's the perspective that uh, our customers are coming to the market with. Speaking of market, the market today is driven by new technology and change and generating revenue with new products. That idea of focusing on profit kind of puts cybersecurity in the second or third position, maybe the tenth position. They get it out there and then they try to bolt something on 
and the folks at Occam are going to go, well, that's yeah. no way to do anything. Yeah, that's absolutely. I agree with that statement 100%. Security has to be at the forefront. I think, I think everyone is, is waking up to that reality. Uh, government uh, and financial industry, what we see, are leading that charge. They've always had that security in mind. So we are continue to need to educate the marketplace that security has to be part of any new technologies and development. So we have a lot of IoT devices out there, a lot of new servers, a lot of new equipment. And uh, so some will argue, well, we'll just build a thicker wall. <laughs> That's right. That's whole so sometimes the wall is not the problem because the people are inside the wall already. That is that is absolutely true. So the, the, the concept of wall, as you call it, is disappearing altogether. Um, so those traditional approach of trying to protect your perimeter, that is going away. Um, and everybody is sort of adopting this idea of zero trust. That's sort of the theme of, of our forum today. Um, and it's going to take some, some time to adopt to that and, and adjust uh, to the zero trust model. And the yes, it doesn't mean you get rid of all your walls that you have and that you've already invested, but you need to now deploy them in a coherent and cohesive manner that everything sort of works together. Uh, Dr. Tom Layton gave the keynote this morning, mm -hmm. and he said, I wrote it down, it was just a very profound statement. He said that 50% of breaches are triggered by an insider. So these are people inside the That's wall right. and having That's lunch right. with you and down the hall. That's and right. so, yeah. so how do you protect against, there's no, the thickest firewall in the world is not going to protect from that. Correct, because um, the traditional model is if somebody is inside your employees or, or partners that you have given access to is trusted, um, that model is no longer uh, the case because they, they will be compromised at some point and they're going to now infect your other systems and that's the biggest problem we see. So we definitely need to deploy new models, new approaches, new techniques to protect yourself against that. So um, in addition to IoT devices, a real trending topic today is satellites and satellite information all over the world and, <laughs> and, and bouncing yes. in and off of uh, control stations. And, and you look like you've been, you know, 20 years ago you figured this out and you distributed internationally already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the new um, mechanisms of transport and networks are coming out and I believe that uh, it just means an additional set of players that you'd have to coordinate with and it, at all levels, you have to apply right uh, best practice of access control and authentication authorization to your content and data. And so having that industry knowledge and working to uh, play with the new players, whichever new satellite provider, whichever new ISP providers are out there is critical. Well, I think Forrester kind of uh, focused on this phrase, zero trust. Mm -hmm. But I heard a phrase this morning. There's a talk going on right now. It's called intelligent boundary. <laughs> and maybe that's a phrase you can coin and get everyone, oh, that's from David Yoon. He said <laughs> intelligent boundary. But this is what it is. It's a boundary that let's prevent the attack before it even gets close to home. Yeah, that has really been sort of at the outset of everything that we have done at Akamai for many years. Uh, we have a this distributed platform or leveraging that as a multi-tenant platform to really block any kind of attacks on uh, and malware and, and uh, bots that are malicious out on the edge. And that's really been our model and that has really worked well. I'd like yep. to thank my guest, David Yoon, Senior Director of Public Sector at Akamai. I'd like to thank my other guests, Patrick Sullivan, Global Director of Security Strategy, and Rob San Martin, Sales Director, Public Sector. I'm John Gilroy on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. 
For more information on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search Zero Trust. Listen to the entire discussion Zero Trust, securing the new perimeter, sponsored by Akamai at federalnewsradio.com. Search Zero Trust. Government is facing more cyber attacks than ever before. The traditional perimeter no longer exists. There is no inside or outside when it comes to detecting, defending, and deterring attacks. With every agency at risk, IT departments should be doubling down with a zero-trust approach to security. Akamai is a leader in mitigating malware, bot, and DDoS attacks and is trusted by all branches of the military and 14 cabinet-level agencies. To mitigate your next attack, visit akamai.com slash zero-trust, AK. AAMAI.com slash zero trust.